0: Hey, welcome back to The Urban Monk. Dr. Pedram Shojai here live on Facebook. I'm excited. We're back back and we're back with the new format, which is really cool for me, because I get to hang out with my guests and you get to hang out with my guests. So if you are watching this live, uh, you can put questions in the chat thread and uh, Sean, who's over here, wave, Sean, there he is. Uh, Sean will be able to read me the questions and grab us and uh, basically between myself and the guest uh, kind of interface with us in your questions, which is, uh, for me, a really fun way to involve you in the party. Uh, I got Dr. Jennifer Stag here today. Uh, she is in Connecticut. She's a naturopathic doctor. Uh, great title to a book. It's uh, called Unzip Your Genes, and it's all about our environment and the environmental factors that uh, either open up certain genes, express other genes, and it's, it's just important stuff is uh, where medicine uh, is now and is headed in the future, and I think that this is something you all need to know. So, Doc, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so uh, genetics, epigenetics, and all of these environmental factors that are causing our, you know, either healthy states or our demise. Uh, it's a big deal, uh, and uh, you've obviously written a book on it, so what got you to start looking at this at first, from, from naturopathy into kind of epigenetics? That's, that's, uh, that's right. an interesting uh, turn.
1: Yeah, so, um, well, my background, I started out um, studying biochemistry and nutrition as an undergrad, and then I ended up going into a PhD program in biochem. So I was always kind of like deep into the research side of things, and um, in my PhD program I ended up deciding I didn't want to be in a lab at 12 o'clock in the morning checking my um, <laughs> chromatography columns, and I wanted to work with people. So then I went, decided I wanted to go to naturopathic school, because it was a great blend of um, kind of the sciences for me. So. Um, while I was at Bastyr University, I continued to do research there. So for me, I've always been kind of like clinically and uh, driven by science-based medicine, um, recognizing you know the traditional methods. And now, interestingly, I would say that a lot of the traditional methods of naturopathic medicine that couldn't really be explained before are now starting to be fully explained because of the research that's coming out on genomics and epigenetics. So now, for example, we see like, You know, stress, we've always worked with patients to control stress, so we're working out, you know, the whole person. But stress, we know now, actually these elevated levels in cortisol end up affecting our DNA. So it actually can tag our DNA and change how gene patterns are being expressed, which explains why stress is such a huge, huge issue that needs to be always kind of like top of your mind in addressing with patients.
0: So let's uh, look at this globally a little bit, just, uh, you know, I'm assuming most of my audience knows a little bit about epigenetics, but I don't want to assume anything. Uh, before we used to think that your genes are your genes, mom and dad kicked them down, this is what you got, you know, here's your life sentence, you know, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but this is what you're stuck with. So yeah. what do we now know about genomic expression that's different?
1: Yeah. So now um, we, we knew that um, back in the 70s, we knew that um, DNA expression required um, um, some kind of added information to be, to, to, for the genes to be expressed. And so as scientists continue to study that, then that's when we started to understand these patterns of gene expression. And it was thought... Um, early in the game that the only um, patterns that made a difference were those that happened in utero, so things that happen while um, you know a fetus was developing could impact it, but now what it turns out is that how we're living, so things like our, our formative childhood years, stresses that we incur during that time, dietary patterns, but continuing into adulthood, even the foods that we are eating, um, are affecting how our DNA is being expressed.
0: So even the foods that we are eating are affecting how our DNA is expressed, which is a really, really scary, sad statement for America uh, because of the foods we have been eating. Right in the last couple generations, food is no no longer food, and it's become all this processed stuff. And you know, we thought a calorie is a calorie, and so we we turned it into an industry. And now with this revelation, uh, there are a lot of things that need to be rethought, and so uh, the difference between a processed food and a natural food that's really you know, uh, you know unmolested, un- if you will, what does that do to the different kinds of genomic expression, or do we even know?
1: Yeah, so those are, those are critical pieces of the equation. So when you take a food and strip it of all of its natural phytochemicals, um that really does a number for us uh, in terms of our health. So all of those phytochemicals that you continue to hear about like resveratrol and um you know superfoods like acai berry all of these have basically these phytochemicals that are high, found to be higher levels in organic foods, first of all, which helps us to explain why organic foods are even better, because some people will criticize organic foods that the vitamin and mineral content might not be that much different, but in an organic food, an organic food basically gets naturally stressed in order to live, so it doesn't get uh, pesticides. So you have these, these plants who are, uh, that are outputting these natural chemicals, and these are the chemicals that are higher that actually impact how our DNA is expressed in a positive way. So first of all, eating foods that are, are grown organically are actually gonna make a huge difference for your health. And then these colors, so when you look down, I'll often describe to patients, when you look down at your plate and you see a sea of like white and brown, um, that's not gonna do much uh, in terms of um, helping you stay healthy. So when you look down and you see all these colorful pigments, that's when uh, you know you're doing yourself um, um, some uh, good service there.
0: And so most of us have kind of grown up being force-fed, you know, some peas or some corn or whatever, and you know most of it's been starches and proteins, uh, you know, the st- standard American diet. And then you know once in a while, if your parents got lucky, you got broccoli if you took it, right? And so right. now we know that these things unlock information and uh, they express for genes that do what? I want to get real kind of granular on this. So by me unzipping the right genes means what versus the wrong ones?
1: So this is where we can go into, so genetics. So people kind of back to that whole concept thinking that, okay, you have this set of genes that you inherited from your parents, and now you're stuck with that. You have uh, nothing you can do for it. So say you have an increased risk of having diabetes, for example, so you've inherited specific genes which have been identified, that could put you at an increased risk of developing diabetes. We know that uh, eating a Mediterranean style diet, that that complex of, you, uh, of a higher um, fat diet that's more monounsaturated fats can actually turn off the genes associated, some of these genes associated with diabetes and completely dissipate that risk um, in a patient who may be predisposed to diabetes. So now you can say, okay, well it is important what I eat and I can actually do something. I'm not just sentenced to um, getting diabetes when I turn 50.
0: Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? And so yeah. you, you have this—you have this in, enormous industry, uh, this medical pharmaceutical industry that basically lives off of diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've heard studies that say up to seventy percent of hospital visits are due to complications of diabetes for all this chronic stuff. And so now we know that eating a certain way would actually create an environment uh, internally that then codes for the genes to say, look, we're, we're moving away from this diabetes situation and, and going to a healthier kind of uh, resting state. Uh, that's right. huge. That's huge. That is,
1: like, it, it is massive. And so, yes, it, because of epigenetics, a lot of the research that's being done, of course, is being funded with pharmaceutical research looking at ways to turn off genes associated with cancer. But we know, and, and there's a, certainly a time and place for that, for um, pharmaceuticals and oncology. But we already know that some of these plant pigments can affect tumor uh, suppressor genes. So uh, green tea, for example, the EGCG component in green tea has been shown to affect uh, how uh, genes are expressed that control cancer cell growth. So we already have some of these tools that could provide us the ability to um, you know, change our risk factors in terms of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, um, all those chronic diseases.
0: Yeah, that's incredible, and so, then the question is what kind of specific strategy can one adopt to really game this in their favor? I mean, I'm assuming they're, it's multifactorial.
1: Absolutely, So, and so that's kind of like, um, as a naturopath, this fits so well for what we do, Mm because we always look at people as the whole person. So we don't, you know, and I'll routinely see people who are eating stellar diets, they're exercising, seems like everything's going right, and they're diagnosed with disease, you know, serious diseases, cancer, um, uh, you know, uh, autoimmune diseases, that's another Mm -hmm. big area. and. What we know is then there's that whole like, you know, I'll often call it the elephant in the room. Like what are we doing to deal with your stress? Because stress affects all this. So we, number one, we have to deal with that. We have to deal with their mindset. Um, and um, you know, that's not just a simple thing. Because these are kind of ingrained patterns that they've often, you um, um, Acted out for years and years and years, so it 's not a simple switch off, but you know there's there's a lot of uh, things that we can do. you know I always uh, talk to patients about meditation first and foremost because we know that makes such a difference in terms of how we respond to the stressors in our life so we can 't get rid of all those stressors, but we can certainly affect how we 're responding to the stressors um, and then uh, we 're definitely looking at activity, making sure patients are actually moving. And we know that even a single workout, we can that you can actually have changes in, in terms of epigenetics, like how DNA can be expressed after a single workout. Um, and continuing to exercise regularly can actually change the uh, risk associated with, again, various types of disease states. Um, and the diet, of course.
0: Yeah, so, so eating eating the right foods, exercising, bringing down stress, and you know, everyone says go meditate, but no one like, does it, and so you know, if you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, meditation, I, yeah, 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 I heard meditation is good for me, but you don't meditate, then you're not getting the benefits, so sorry, you gotta actually right. do it. Um, yeah. What about all the stuff, the triclosan, the, the diesel fumes, all the, you know, the, 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 the kitchen cleaning things, yeah. you know, the, the things that are, are snuffing out our mitochondria and creating a lot of cellular duress?
1: Right. So though that's another section of my book is toxin, talking about toxins in our environment and it's a huge issue, like massive massive issue and um you know, I'm talking about epigenetics, but there's also the issue of oxidation, DNA damage, and that's what a lot of those um, chemicals in our environment will, are doing. So they're um, causing DNA damage, and a lot of these foods are going to provide antioxidant support as well as helping with epigenetics. But then it's talking to patients again about how can we get down your total load. So there are certain things that, you know, you just can't avoid being exposed to. Um, I mean, like, you know, new furniture is covered in flame retardants, and mm-hmm. there's not much of a way around that um, for someone who buying new furniture. You know, a new car is gonna be loaded in volatile uh, chemicals. Um, if you're moving into a new house, you're getting new carpet. Like, these are things that a lot of times most people don't even think about. Um, and there's some ways around it, but then you have the issue of um, patients who are more challenged in terms of their detoxification pathways, and so I talk about quite a bit in my book about how you can actually test uh, patients, you can have testing done to determine whether you have some genetic predisposition to have problems with detoxification, with uh, you know nutrient levels that could be off, that you do have some of these, um, inherent issues um, that maybe someone else who doesn't have that can have the same set of exposures and then they don't get sick. So then we have to provide specific supports around that.
0: Yeah, and so I I just had this, I was flying uh, uh, to the East Coast and I was on a flight where someone within three feet of me was wearing some really disgusting chemical cologne And it was just, you know, I I could feel my system starting to get edgy, and you know, I just I am MTFHR, uh, whatever. And so I have I have detox issues that I mitigate because I don't use that crap. But then you get yourself in a position where you're stuck on a plane next to someone who, yeah, you're just you're exposed. And I used to have patients that would get you know laid up for a week or two. Uh, from these yeah. types of exposures and so how do you offset some of that I mean I mean that that's just kind of you know uh, captivity there like you're stuck being exposed and right. that's a challenge you can right. move your seat or yeah. whatever but um, you know do you use glutathione do you use certain things to help people with that yeah, vitamin so it, D? It, it depends.
1: You know, based on individuality, and that's another kind of core of naturopathic medicine is treating people as individuals, and it's not just like a one size fits all. So if we have um, had some genetic testing done and we know where some of the issues lie, then we can specifically dose around those in terms of providing something like NAC, which is a precursor for glutathione. Do we need to have more sort of um, what we call standard methylation support? Um, for some people, or are we just talking about like a broad spectrum? If we don't know detox kind of formula to help them kind of clear some of the uh, exposures that they have. Um, so yeah, we look at it, you know, on, on a you know one by one basis.
0: Got it. So if I'm reading this and I can't see you in the clinic. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to shop for my family. It's obvious that, you know, I got to buy things that grew out of the ground and all that. Where, what do I need to avoid the most uh, in the grocery store aisles?
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's you know, processed food, definitely, because they're going to be devoid for the most part of all those phytochemicals that are so critical for health. Um, and then whenever you can, buying organic, because it does make a difference, because um, it's not just looking at pesticide residues. so you know, you got your dirty, tw- dirty dozen. Um, when you, all of those, if, if it ha- even if it doesn't have residual pesticide, it's still going to be aided in its growth, so then you don't have as much of those phytochemicals. So whenever, buying organic is gonna be you know, top priority. Um, and I understand that, you know, that can be challenging fi- financially for, uh, many people, but it, honestly, it's cheaper to eat a whole foods diet than it is to eat processed food. You just might need to put a little more work into it. Um, but you know, whole foods can be cheap if you, uh, you know, you plan accordingly, you know, plan accordingly. You're not going into, um, if you're not buying a lot of kind of. Formulated and packaged, technically, like what's called whole foods.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what you're paying for. You're paying for the processing and the packaging, and what you're really also yeah. paying for is the the, the health hit, um, you know, which which is a challenge. Um, the uh, there's this stuff that you could get. Trader Joe's sells it. There's a bunch of these places that are like these ve- vegetable wa- washes. Um, how good are they? Um, you know, and like if you were to buy conventional and then just get the like you know the magic the magic sauce that like makes it makes it clean. How good are those?
1: They're not so they're they're not going to affect the phytochemical content. So you that's done. That's right. a it's a done deal. So now you have, you just have this. It's not can't like add back phytochemicals. So you can wash off some of the residue that's on the outside of produce. But the pesticide is um, through the feet, pe- like it 's all through the food, um, so you 're really not going to get a big uh, um, improvement in health status because of mainly because of it 's devoid of the phytochemicals
0: got it, got it. How long does it take to start to see a difference once you? Make a, a number of these changes, and you're okay. Look, you know, I'm, I'm eating the good stuff, I'm off the bad stuff, I'm trying to do my exercise. A lot of people get discouraged because they don't see results quickly, and therefore they think it's not working.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so we see that all the time because it's our culture. We expect results and quickly. Right. And I often I do trainings for other doctors um, and lecture around the country and I kind of describe like we're on the clock. Right. So a patient comes to see you. They want results quickly and you have to deliver for them. So for me, when we do genetic testing, if that's an option for patients financially to do genetic testing, and you know there are more cost-effective ways to do that now than ever, and you can kind of pick and choose. Um, so there's ways I always think about, you know, financial stress for patients too. That I definitely recognize that we try to find ways that it can be affordable, but that can allow us to really kind of like target where we can make a big difference for them. And so then it may be very specific supplementation. And if we do more sort of wellness genomic testing panels, then we can even uh, put them on like a genetic matching diet. So beyond organic, you, we, there's the capability uh, now to find out like what ratios of fats carbs and proteins that your um, genes are a good match to so Like you could find out are you a match like a mine? I'm a match for Mediterranean diet and I sort of always felt better when I ate that way and so that made sense to me uh, and then my husband is also a match but he could stray more so than me, although he likes that diet, he could stray, and for a little while he did stray quite a bit, and he got pretty unhealthy, and he's predisposed to diabetes, um, and he was starting to go in that direction, and then we've cleaned it all up, and Mediterranean diet has worked for him very well. So. Um, and that can, you know, that so that, meaning that you can compress that time frame if you start to use some of these new technologies that are available.
0: What are we, what are we talking about in terms of cost uh, uh, for kind of entry level to gourmet, and then does insurance cover it? Which is, I, I hate that question, but everyone asks it. Right.
1: No, yeah, so insurance um, occasionally will cover a couple of tests, but it could cover something like just an MTHFR test that you would do through a lab like, you know, like your standard Quest labs. Some insurance companies will cover that. Um, You can do MTHFR panel with COMT out of pocket and only get, like, it's only $75 for the lab that we use. So that's an affordable test. Yeah, that's not so bad. That is okay, patients can afford to do that. and that can provide us a little bit of information. So we'll see someone who comes in with anxiety or kids that are coming in with, uh, you know, I guess actually see a lot of kids with anxiety um, and then ADHD. Some of those tests are really valuable. Um, and then we know exactly what to you know we, we're on the right track with, with what we can start to do, looking at like more of a global uh, treatment plan. Um, But then when you start to do more sort of like the genomic wellness panels, yes, the cost starts to go up and um, insurance typically does not cover it. We were trying to uh, use a company and get insurance to cover it. And really, we found out most insurance companies are not covering that type of testing. And so out of pocket costs in that uh, range can be. Um, in our office it's $300. Um, but if you know if we have a, a, a great arrangement where we're able to provide a lower cost test. Um, but usually it costs five to six hundred dollars, some of them are $800 dollars for these panels of more like 75 different tests. So when you start to look at that, you know you can do three for seventy five dollars but now you've got seventy five tests you can get for three hundred dollars that's a pretty good deal,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, a lot of people are willing to make that investment. Um, yeah,
0: well, I mean so long as it gives you actionable data, you know I think a lot of people are frustrated with labs, uh, especially in America because you know doctors keep writing for these labs, they have all these copays they're paying hundreds of dollars in copays, and you know yeah. they' they're not getting any better but they're paying for all this information that isn't really actionable. So what does $300 buy me in actionable intel?
1: Yeah, so with that, it tells you what your genetic matching diet plan is. It tells you a set of eating behaviors so we can actually find out kind of how you're wired to eat, what your food issues are. And so I see a lot of patients, certainly, because it's such a big issue in our country, um, who are dealing with problems with weight and they've tried all the diets, um, you know, and they don't even know what to do anymore, things are not working for them the way it used to, and so then we'll do genetic testing on them, and um, a lot of times there are food issues, and then we can specifically target with behavioral modification exactly what that is, so it might be something like we can find out that they're predisposed to have something called eating disinhibition, so they would be what you would classically call a stress eater, um, or they have trouble To stop eating. So, then strategies around that would be like, okay, well, if you're in a restaurant, they bring bread to the table, you say, like, don't bring the bread, just keep it away from me. You don't sit down with an open bag of, like, even healthy foods like nuts and just, like, eat from the bag. You have to portion control so we can um, get, like, great targeted behavioral modifications. Um, On that panel, we also find out about, Vitamin deficiencies, like like there is an MTHFR on there. Um, um, looking at do they absorb B12 well, uh, vitamin C. Um, we see exercise response on there too. So now we're kind of getting more kind of um, full uh, circle on, on what we can uh, offer in terms of advice based on it. But we can tell whether someone responds really well to aerobic exercise. If maybe anaerobic, like weights, might not be so good an option for some people. There's actually um, a a gene variant that um, people can have where they end up building fat mass into their muscle if they overdo it on um, weights. And so I'll have women, and that's only been shown in men, but I've had women who have tested for this gene and they come in and they're like, I swear I get fat if I'm just like going hard, like two hours in the gym. Uh, using weights, and then we'll find this test positive. So then we change around their uh, exercise plan a little bit, not like taking out weights completely, but focusing a little bit more on aerobic exercise. Um, we can find out if you have obesity genes, so there are actually two genes for obesity. Um, and so then we kind of know what we're up against to a degree. Um, and there are a number of other um, um, gene variants around like impairments that you could have with weight management. So those are nice to see um, even a diponectin that some people could potentially have issues with that. and then we would have specific strategies there. And then, of course, risks of diabetes and um, um, lipid abnormalities are on there too. So it's a pretty like comprehensive profile.
0: I love that, and so you have this array of information that then gives you actionable data, basically saying, look, the, here are your predispositions, so stay within these bumpers, and your, your, your genes are telling us that this is what they like and how, how they like to express, and then at that point we'll know what kind of exercise, what kind of food, what to avoid, and all that. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, so the question is that you know, how long, so, so someone comes in and they're relatively unhealthy, um, and so we know, we know what conventional medicine does, right? It, it puts Band-Aids on it and you, know, you can stay unhealthy for the rest of your life, really. Uh, in this model, you come in, you're relatively unhealthy, but now you have this information and you actually listen <laughs> to, to the guidelines here. How quickly do you start to see the results rolling in and how fast does it compound?
1: Yeah, so it depends on how long they've been sick, really. Mm -hmm. So to turn around someone's health um, in a month completely is just not realistic, Um, so I often explain to them, you know, it took you years to get here, and to get you back into an excellent state of health it's gonna take a while, so over the course of a year, I would say. We're going to continue to see um, gradual improvement, but a lot of it depends on where they are, like what type of diet they're already eating. Like, if they're eating relatively healthy, and this kind of goes back to that epigenetic piece, they're already eating organic foods, they're eating, you know, some of these foods that are helping their DNA get expressed in a healthy pattern, Um, then. they wouldn't be have, experiencing like such a radical difference in their diet as someone who comes in eating like a standard American diet, and now we put them on a actual like organic healthy diet that is actually matched in terms of its macronutrients, then on top of it, then you would have such a difference, so your body would be seeing such different fuel um, that that would be a huge difference for them, um, and they would probably notice like feeling better just with that dietary change within days, really.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well yeah it's uh, if you're that far gone it's amazing yeah. I've seen people just go vegetarian for a weekend and have like life-changing epiphanies yeah. and yeah. so yeah it just depends depends on how how, how dirty the canvas is too so yeah yeah.
1: No yeah um what
0: what is this test is it saliva is it blood how does how does this test get gathered? Um,
1: this test is saliva which is you know, a great uh, way to collect um, this information and it's easy. It's a kit that we actually send our patients home with. So they're basically, you know, we call it like it's, it's patients. Well, could we get a lot of referrals for it also? And people will call up and say, oh, can I want to get that spit test?
0: <laughs> like,
1: mm-hmm. yes, give you a spit test. Um, so yeah, that one's just a vial of saliva. And then some of those targeted SNPs that we do, gene testing that we do, like the MTHFR panel, is um, saliva also, and it's just little paper discs that you put in your mouth for like 30 seconds. And so then that's a really excellent way to test some of the kids that we see in our practice.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but the main, the main one includes the, the smaller SNPs too, right? Um, the
1: big one will c- cover. It has MTHFR on it, the one that we're currently using, but it doesn't have COMT. So if we're dealing, if we're just like looking at the wellness side of things, and we're not dealing with more so like more complex issues like mood disorders and um, you know developmental disorders and neurological issues. Then um, we could stick more so with wellness testing. Um, versus needing to do more of these targeted profiles that yep. someone, more like psych symptoms, we need to do.
0: Man, this has really come a long way. I mean, just in the last couple of years, it's just it's getting yeah. more and more interesting, and so yeah. I'm sure you got a lot of reading to do to keep up with all this.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, I would say like the biggest point I often make to patients is that, um, and, I, and I definitely stated in my book, is that it's more of kind of also prompting this paradigm shift of promoting health and wellness versus always focusing and treating disease. And what we're seeing in, on the genetics side is that there are more genes for health than there are for disease. So everyone, you know, all the research, you know, has historically been focused on studying genes and genetic causes of diseases. But now there's actually a resilience project, a gene resilience project, where they're starting to look at, well, why do some people seeming like stay so healthy? That what are these genes that are keeping people healthy? And what can we do to keep them turned on Um, and, you know, focus on, um, optimal, like health and wellness, instead of targeted, you know, treatment of disease. So that's kind of like a, a what I would call a big paradigm shift in medicine.
0: That yeah, that's that's really encouraging because at the end of the day, I mean, there's a million things that can break your back, but what keeps yeah, what what keeps you going? Um, right. I got a I got a question from our audience. I'm gonna to cut to Sean over here, and he'll ask. Uh, tell us what what it was, go for it. Awesome. Um, So how many people um, do you think when they get the results, um, it's something that they already knew that they had to make the lifestyle change? Or um, how many do you think it's actually just a a real wake-up call when they get the results or the data back? Cool. Did you hear that? I didn't hear all of it. So so how many people, when they get the results, it's like, yeah, 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 I kind of already knew that, um, versus like, wow, this is really a profound uh, a profound piece of information that is not, not something I would have assumed or known.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I mean, definitely with the dietary pattern, that one, like what your diet matching diet would be, no one really knows that. Like that's just, oh, okay, should I be eating a low-fat diet? I mean, the difference could be you should really be eating 20% of your calories Uh, as fat versus 35, which is like a big difference and many, many studies looking at this, and it can really tip the balance for some people. So something Mm. like that they don't know. Uh, There's no way anyone would know that. Uh, But um, the eating behavior snips, a lot of times people know those. They're like, oh yeah, I do that. Like Mm. food desire is another one of them, where people are just kinda constantly thinking about food, and they're eating, and thinking about like what their next meal is gonna be. Um, they definitely identify with those patterns. Now, with the obesity genes, um, it never seems to really make sense. So people will come in and they'll say, "Well, you know, you know, there's obesity in my family, and I figured I'd have the obesity genes and you and they don't, or we have patient, and they may be overweight themselves. So they're thinking, well, I must be predisposed to this." And so then being tell, telling them, you don't even have the obesity genes, then sometimes that can change their mindset. So they're like, oh, well, things shift for them because they think like, well, I'm just Mm -hmm. meant to be obese and this is it versus like, oh, well, I don't even have this. There's, you know, I can really take some steps to um, affect my outcome. On the other hand, patients who actually are told that they have um, the obesity genes, and with this type of genetic testing in general, there have been a couple of studies now where the actual process of having genetic testing um, for this type of genetic testing, patients actually become healthier as a result of it. So they, learning this information, understanding, oh, I have the obesity genes, I'm really gonna do something about this, it motivates them to make healthier choices above and beyond what just a typical office visit could do or you know, a dietary program. Mm. So that piece of the equation, um, I kind of like talk about that in my book maybe, and suggest that one of the things that we could be doing to actually make a big difference in our health is have genetic testing, because it could change how you start to think about your body, right? They kind of get a better understanding of it.
0: Absolutely. Do, do you find some of the similar gnosis with uh, exercise behavior? Like people just intuitively know that cardio sucks for them, but lifting weights works or vice versa? Or is that one also kind of surprising? Yeah,
1: some of that is there because you can even, um, there's exercise capacity in terms of like how uh, your um, oxy- oxygenation would work in terms of uh, muscle. And so p- some people who have that, like, yes, they can benefit from cardio, but they have, like they're predisposed to have poor oxygen capacity, and then they know like cardio is hard for them. Like they don't like cardio, but it's good for them. So they kind of know that. And then, you know, the thing that I talked about with the anaerobic exercise. But then there are a couple of other um, SNPs I didn't mention on there. One um, for um, the sprinter's gene. So there's actually this gene that has been quite extensively studied in uh, Olympian weightlifters and sprinters, and they all have it, but they all have a lot of other genes too. There's a lot that goes into becoming an Olympic level athlete. But the patients who end up having the sprinters gene, they're like, oh yeah, I was really good. Like in their high school or college, like they were a fast runner, like they kind of like know that that makes sense for them. Um, So that's kind of interesting. Um, And there's another interesting one uh, is um, that there's a gene um, for Achilles tendinopathy that you could be predisposed to injuring your Achilles, Mm. and we actually have a patient in our practice who runs marathons, and he's under 30, and he's actually injured his Achilles. I think he's on his third injury now, and we ended up doing genetic testing on him, and he had that, Um, so it makes complete sense, yeah.
0: What if, what if I wanted to unlock my Sprinter gene and I didn't have it? Is that, is that is, you know, can I do a grab bag here? Like, how does that work?
1: Um, not yet, uh, but I won't get into it, but there's this whole new, um, not even that new, but there's technology that is not available for clinical use yet, and probably won't be for some time, called CRISPR where you can actually splice genes in and out of DNA. Uh, so there's a lot of controversy around that of ma- the potential of being able to have a designer baby. Um, you'll see a lot of blogs and articles written about this, but the um, clinical utilization they're looking at is can we splice out genes that predispose people for cancer? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds, Kind of science fiction, but it's like in the pipeline.
0: It's here, yeah. No, the, fu- yeah. the future is now. Yeah, yeah. And it, no, these are really, really interesting times. Um, and you know, n- there's also been this whole thing with stem cells, where now you could, you know, spin fat and take it from marrow, and there's all kinds of, and there's this huge stem cell revolution happening all over the country with clinics. Um, you know, reporting some really interesting stuff, and it's also, there's some monkeys doing things that they shouldn't be doing as as usual, right? right? But, um, you know, that's also opened us up to a whole other realm of of research and and some clinical efficacy that that we didn't think we'd have for a while.
1: Right, yeah, it's a really exciting time, and this type of technology has developed so rapidly, it's kind of ahead of the, what I would call, like, clinical ability to use it to a degree, So some of the test results that we can get back in some of these areas are above and beyond any sort of, you know, um, way to utilize it. So right now it's an art. people are, you know, figuring it out, self-studying. But the Precision uh, Health, uh, Precision Medicine Initiative that uh, President Obama announced in his 2015 uh, State of the Union Address, Um, is allowing for much more research and um, promotion of this whole uh, concept of precision medicine. So that's exciting to see um, um, that area being um, emphasized in medicine.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it's fascinating. You know, on one hand, you have all this really new, interesting stuff. On the other hand, everyone's, you know, going to herbs and shamanism and, and all these other things. And everyone's, everyone's trying everything they can to get well. Because what we do know is that the conventional medical model isn't working. And there's plenty of things that are interventions in conventional medicine that, that are fine but this whole lifestyle disease paradigm that leads to overuse of pharmaceuticals is, is, is broken. And so people talking about right. fixing healthcare, it's not, it's not healthcare reform, it's healthcare finance reform, and they're just trying to figure out how to pay for it, but what we're right. trying to do is figure out how to actually find wellness within the, yes. the community and the population, which is a different conversation. Right. Um, And it's a a challenging one because you know, literally, I know know gajillions of patients that I've had, once they knew what they needed to do, still didn't do it, and then you're talking about a whole different ballgame.
1: Yeah, yeah, so that's that compliance issue, and that's always been a big problem when you're dealing with lifestyle-induced chronic disease. And um, for me, when I started using genetic testing, it helped Kind of start to change that compliance issue for me. That people are uh, understanding that oh well wow like actually having a test result in front of them that's actionable um, and is very you know specific for them, but a way that they could improve their health that is uh, um, science based. Um, People really kind of resonate with that, and um, I think it's a powerful tool that we have been um, basically gifted.
0: Yeah, I love it. I actually want to do that test. I, I, I want, I want some of that. That sounds great. You know, the more the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to face what's coming at you. And so, you know, we try to mitigate as much as we can. I got a whole water filtration system for my house. We don't bring the junk in. But then I get on a yep. flight to go teach qigong across the country, and I'm sitting next to like Gucci cologne. And right. you know, and and so you know, that's that's life. That's life in the modern yep. world. It's re, it's really challenging to you know avoid all exposure. So what do I got to do on the front end to build yeah. out you know my sprinter gene? or whatever it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it is. It's um, being armed with as much knowledge as you can get, and that's kind of where this whole system is going, is trying to put um, patients in charge of their own health, right? To get people up in front of that and feeling like they're empowered. A lot of times when I go over these results with patients, especially women, they um, have a lot of guilt around eating and around like their weight, and they start to understand, oh, well, you know, maybe you know, this is how I was wired, and there's something I can do about this. Mm. It's not just my fault. So that um, has been um, a, a a great aid for me in terms of being able to help more patients.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good. You know, I there there are so many places that people are searching for answers. Uh, you know, what's it, it's, you know, it's there's the tabloids, right? There are you know all these kind of like popular health mags that are like you know six ways to get your your abs done. I'm sure I'm sure the Pentecostal people have something. I mean, every everyone's got something, right? It's right. It's, it's, it's crazy, yeah. and yeah. so. What you are bringing is sane, scientific testing that, are, that is basically set up to allow us to know more about ourselves. So to me, it's a tool for gnosis. And I think right. that we're in a very, very interesting time where now we have access to information that is here and now. And so how long before I spit in this thing, send it off, and get my results back?
1: Um, typically about three weeks.
0: Three weeks from now, okay, so I do this test, three weeks from now, I now have information. I would obviously sit with a doctor who would read it and interpret it, because it's not easy.
1: Right, that's critical, that piece of it, so when people just walk away and they have this information they don't know what to do with, that doesn't serve you in any way. So it's that genetic counseling piece to help you develop an actionable plan. But it is, like it ends up, and what I talk about in my book, is kind of like going back to basics. It's really, there's no quick fix. You need to like control your stress, You need to be active, I didn't get into the microbiome, but that's a big, uh, I have got a couple of sections in there on that, but that's a big part of the equation, you know, more and more, and I know if you had like podcasts uh, devoted completely to the microbiome, and then it matters what you eat, it does Mm -hmm. matter what your diet looks like, and it's not just about calories.
0: That's it, that's it, so look, I I love what you're doing. Um, The book is called Unzip Your Genes, out today?
1: It is out out
0: today. today. Awesome, and so um, I, this is this is the future of medicine. So I highly recommend checking out this work and uh, her, her name, Dr. Jennifer Stag, double double G, Dr. Jennifer Stag. Uh, and um, how else can people find you? You get a website, clinic site.
1: Yeah, website. So um, our clinic site is WholeHealthLLC.com. And um, we do do uh, consults out of state, and there is the, uh, we can order, um, get you the test. Uh, we don't order it, but we have, uh, you order it through a company, um, so you can actually get the test and go on the results with us. Um, um, we have a couple of naturopathic doctors who know, really know their stuff, another uh, their um, um, how, how to go over these results. And then, um, you know, I'm on all the social media sources. So um, you can follow me on Twitter and um, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I'm there.
0: Cool. And I, you know what? I'd love to do this. So if I pay for a test and do it, would you get on a yeah. part two, a follow up of this and, and yeah. read my results live? I don't care. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We actually did that with a uh, TV host and did his results on the air and it was, it was a great segment.
0: Yeah. No, I'd love to do that. I've done that once before. Myself and Sarah Godfrey did that a few years back right after I had a kid. My adrenals yeah. were like down there somewhere. And so, you know, yeah, I don't care. I'm just human. So, wh- whatever. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it and I'd love to see this process unfold and and I'm happy to be the guinea pig for it. So, we'll we'll All make right. we'll make preparations for that. So, Dr. Jennifer Stag, uh zip your jeans uh, thank you so much this has been great
1: thanks for having me it's fun
0: yeah it's great and for my audience uh, in Facebook land right now we're live as you can see now we're starting to take questions and uh, we're opening up our new format let me know what you thought about this one and we'll get the the blog and all this stuff out usually about a week after we we go live here and um, let me know what you think and uh, I'll see you next time mm-hmm.